Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Welcome to the First Cut Podcast listener mailbag extravaganza. We'll be answering your questions throughout the show, but before we jump into that, you might want to hang on all the way through here because we've got a giveaway at the end. That's right, a little bit of swag. That's the the spoiler alert, so hang on to the end. We'll get you the details of the giveaway, but for right now, we've assembled the entire First Cut crew. Let's bring them in one by one. Uh, Kyle Porter at Kyle Porter CBS. How are you holding down in your, uh, I don't know, day whatever of quarantine? I'm not good. I, <laughs> I, Kyle. I need a John Deere. I'd take a corn ferry event, challenge tour, something. I just, I need something. It's not going well. Yeah, we, uh, for those who cannot see Kyle, he is uh, rocking the backwards hat. I think he looks great, but let's bring in um, <laughs> Mark, Mark Immelman at Mark underscore Immelman. Mark, you were telling us uh, you might be doing a little spring cleaning right now. How's that going for you? Uh, it's been, uh, it's been trying, but I've found a selection of pens that have blown my mind here in Marcus. I mean, I've got <laughs> pens from everywhere. I've got the Travelers Championship. I've got Pebble Beach. You've got the whole thing going on. No, uh, just using this time to catch up, and it's it's been sort of marginally refreshing. Earlier this morning, I helped with uh, remote learning from our kids' school. It was the first day of school, and uh, that was entertaining. I did I did PE with my youngest, Sophia, who's an eight-year-old, and so I got my exercise in and did some spring cleaning. So uh, out of the ordinary for me, but good. There you go. Technology is a great thing. And we'll also bring in uh, Greg Ducharme at The Real GFD. Greg, uh, how are you holding up over there? I'm holding up quite all right. I mean, we're still working here. Things are still sort of uh, going on schedule for me and most of my uh, general life. Uh, I'm missing some of these first cut episodes. I'm, I'm missing doing our Friday night podcast. I'm missing doing our Tuesday picks. Like like I, a lot of my research that I enjoy doing has been kind of the legs have been cut out from under me. So there's definitely a little bit of disappointment, but uh, grateful to still be able to do this. Grateful to still have a, you know, a, a job that I can go and, and work and, and pay some bills because there are a lot of people that can't. So, um, so it's good and bad. It's a little bit bittersweet right now for me. For sure. For sure. So we'll still talk golf here. So let's jump into this, gentlemen. We've got a little bit of news. Uh, PGA Tour announces that they have canceled more events. So what we're looking at now are the additional events that were canceled since the last time we chatted. Uh, let's see. RBC Heritage, the Zurich, which, oh, man, that would have been fun to uh, talk about the teams throughout. Wells Fargo would have been Chan fun for me to go to, man. I was on the crew down there. Yeah. Yours. <laughs> there you go. You would have seen it up close and personal, Mark. Uh, Wells Fargo Championship, AT&T Byron Nelson. And the PGA Championship is designated with that postponed tag. Kyle, uh, felt like this was coming, right? For sure. Uh, I mean, th there was there was no chance that the PGA Championship was being played in the middle of May. And if that was true, then you weren't going to have the PGA Tour playing as well. I, I think for me now, it's it becomes a question. I think th this is a question the NBA is facing 
is at what point is the season just over? Uh, you know, the, the, the PGA Tour season runs a little bit longer uh, than the NBA season. Um, you know, NBA is July or whatever, and PGA Tour is into August. But I think you start have to asking that question when you only have now two, I guess, three months of it remaining. I think you're starting to get into that territory of like, we're calling it, that's a wrap, and we're just going to figure it out for next season. Yeah. So Mark, the current, the, the, now the next event that is technically still on, and I guess we will see how this goes is that mid May, May 21st, the Charles Schwab championship, it's colonial. So at least for the time being, Mark, that's kind of what we've got our eyes to look forward to. Yeah. Well, being CBS guys, I was sharing before we went on the air and our producer Jacob started recording this, um, Colonial Country Club is the home club of Lance Barrow. And everyone who's got any affiliation to sport knows who Lance Barrow is. Behind Frank Jokinian, he's like the doyen of sports production. And uh, this is his last full year of uh, producing golf for CBS Sports. And so next year he'll be ceremonial and will be will be sort of there as a consultant to Sellers Shy, who's taking over from him. Now, Sellers is a member at TPC Southwind in Memphis. Lance is a member in Colonial, so wouldn't it just be very cool if Lance's last time at Colonial as a producer at his home club would be when golf kicks off again? Now, is it likely? Uh, you, is anything is possible. We've seen this over the last few days. Um, but uh, is, would it be incredible? Absolutely. But but you know, as I'm sitting here, I'm, I'm eternally hopeful. You know me, but. But but I'm looking down down the track some, given the severity of the news we're getting uh, day in and day out from uh, from these uh, presidential and these uh, coronavirus task force update crew. Yeah, I think I can speak for everyone and say we hope it's that Charles Schwab challenge. We hope it's colonial. We'll we'll continue to hold out hope. That's a that's a powerful emotion. And then Greg, the other news is you know U.S. Open and the Open Championship uh, both holding dates right now. USGA has canceled some of their men's and women's amateur four balls. U.S. Open qualifying for both men and women uh, currently being quote redesigned, and the official World Golf rankings will be frozen. So I think that's what we kind of thought should happen, Greg. And it and now we're kind of getting official word that those uh those OWGR points are gonna are gonna hang. Yeah, that and that's a great move. It, it's a really necessary move at this point um, because it, it wouldn't benefit anybody to keep rolling. And it's going to have a big impact on, on the Olympics. We'll see what happens with the Olympics. Uh, right now, they're still set to go as normal, but who knows what happens with that. But anyway, um, the USGA and, and the Open Championship, to me, have extremely complicated cases because of the format of qualification. It's more than half the field. Uh, of the of the U.S. Open that qualifies through local and sectional qualifying. So it, it'll be very interesting to see how they redesign it. There is a qualifier in Asia. There's qualifiers in Europe and many qualifiers throughout the United States. And it sounds like those aren't going to be played. So will they switch to maybe a, a PGA championship style qualification where it is based on these frozen world golf rankings? I'm not sure what that will look like, what that will do. But I do believe the U.S. Open, if they can host, if that date is okay in June, I still think we can have a, a very exciting U.S. Open, regardless of of the qualifying system. 
Fingers, fingers crossed for that. So um, we, we've gotten through the news, which is uh, generally bad news these days. But what we're going to do is we're going to have a little fun. We're going to go through the listener mailbag you guys sent in your questions, and we're going to answer them. But before we do that, let's take a quick break and hear a word from our sponsors. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. All right, we're back. Let's jump into the mailbag, uh, which I guess is kind of outdated, right? Like, is this the Pony Express mailbag? Am I reaching in and grabbing a letter or am I just reading it? I'm reading it off a rundown here. Uh, so let's let's go right after this. Russell in North Carolina sends in a question about the majors. And he says, if we don't have any majors in 2020, whose legacy is impacted the most? Kyle, we'll start with you. And Russell, he, he suggests a couple of names here. You know, Tiger, he's losing a year with the clock running out, uh, trying to chase down Jack's 18. Brooks, because he's kind of been in this stretch of dominance. Is it one of those guys or is it somebody else? You know, this is hard because I don't know that anybody's legacies are affected because no, I, I think, I, I don't, I don't know. I, I think for a legacy to be affected, you'd almost have to take something away. I guess you're potentially erasing all four majors by not having them. But it's not as if somebody won and then you're 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 you know retroactively taking that away. For me, it's it's more of a guy like, and this is gonna sound a little weird. I, I don't I, I think it's somebody like a Webb Simpson who is playing the best golf of his career, is primed to win another major championship. It's it's seemingly these guys who, you know, Rory, whatever, like he's he's gonna be great for several more years, but these guys who have kind of popped up, who have kind of crested over the last couple of years, I think you could throw somebody like a Bern Wiesberger in there where it's like he's losing a year of the best golf that he's ever played, right? And, you know, there's potential for like like Shane Lowry-like potential in terms of uh, contending at and winning a major championship. So those are those are the guys that I kind of feel bad for. Yeah, that's an interesting way to look at it. Kind of like these, I don't want to say fringe superstars, but these guys that could notch another uh, another major to their to their resume. Go ahead, Mark. Uh, you know, I was just thinking alongside what Carl said, to me, legacy is a past tense thing. So, you, you know, no one's guaranteed ever that so many folks are going to win major championships. I mean, just a few short years ago, everyone was conceding that Tiger was going to break Jack's record. So, so I think legacy is a tough question. But uh, if you sort of look at it from my point of view, and I hear everything Carl says, and, you know, guys playing well because good golf is fleeting, let's be honest. I don't care how good you are. From my point of view, um, it, it, it's got to be Tiger because the window on 18 is closing, and it's closing rapidly now. And, you know, at least this year, if this didn't happen, he would have got four attempts. 
barring injury, you never know. But, but now with every likelihood that we might not get four, we may get one, who knows, that's three less, and Father Time is unbeaten. So from my point of view, I think Tiger is a good shot. But that being said, he's just got in the Hall of Fame. His legacy is sound. I mean, the guy's he's arguably the greatest ever to play the game. Um, he doesn't have the 18, but so it's a, stra- it's a strange sort of a question, but I'm going Tiger. I, Mark, I think you're absolutely right. It is Tiger. The reason is when Tiger loses four majors, it's four less opportunities for him to get to a number that he's chasing. He's the only player out there that's chasing 18. There are a number of players who are chasing one or chasing, uh, you know, maybe it's five or six, but there's nobody else chasing 18. And for Tiger, losing these four majors, when you look at the legacy uh, after his career, nobody compares how many majors Jack Nicklaus played in versus how many majors Tiger played in. We're not measuring them on percentage of wins. Winning percentage is uh, basically irrelevant other than, I mean, maybe some people will throw that into a debate, but it's basically irrelevant. You're looking at the total number of wins. And for Tiger, losing four events when you're not injured just because the events didn't happen uh, that's a, a potential big loss. Now, that being said, I do think we will have majors in 2020, um, but it is an interesting question. But, Kyle, I wanted to ask you, because I think I know where you go with this. Who do you think this, uh, having kind of this layoff, who do you think this benefits the most? Yeah, that's a good question. Doesn't benefit, um, it doesn't benefit Kyle, by the way he looks right now. <laughs> <laughs> well, it might benefit somebody he's a fan of. I, I'm... I'm just, yeah, you're <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a little, little more, pra- a little more there practice is. time. There he's smiling again. <laughs> he got so it. So here, here's my thing. I'm just going to say this. I'm really sad right now about all this stuff going away. Like coming in and look like this is our job. And, and I totally, I agree with a, what Craig said earlier about like, I'm incredibly grateful to work at CBS to be able to be talking about golf on a podcast when people are losing their jobs, out of work, the economy's grinding to a halt, all that stuff. Like, I I could not agree more with that. I'm just bummed that all this has to happen. And, you know, there's these rumors of the Ryder Cup could be, could be up in the air. We might not play majors in 2020. It just, it stinks, and I'm bummed by all of it. Uh, you want me to say Jordan Spieth as the answer to your question? <laughs> um, I don't know how it could hurt him. It's not as if uh, he was... Um, doing anything, I don't know, maybe, maybe he loses status by the time we come back. I guess everything's frozen in the OWGR. So yeah, I I guess it, I guess it helps him out. I'm trying to think of who else is maybe a little bit. I mean, how much is Bryson going to weigh whenever we come back? He's going to be like 290. He's going to look like (laughs) Kyle's back. Kyle's back. (laughs) I mean, it's going to be unbelievable. Yeah, I'm surprised you strokes gain freaks that I'm alongside on this podcast that none of you have referenced the probability of this all. If you really had to dig into this, let's say a golfer at the top of his game on the PGA Tour gets to play in 15 years worth of majors, which is a stretch. Let's make it 10. That's 40 attempts. So everyone, let's just say if they're all in the same place right now, Tiger aside because he's got fewer, has 40 attempts. Each one that's clipped away, that's one less chance you have to win a major. And let me tell you something, I'm related to a guy who won one. It's, it is a, it is a, a lifetime achievement. Multiple is, uh, the, that's, that's, uh, that, that, that's a, an honor held for a select few. I mean, think of the guys that have just won. Um, Justin Rose, uh, Sergio Garcia, they're, they're Dustin, guys who, Dustin who Johnson. people, you know, Dustin Johnson, who people have picked to have multiples 
And each one that clicks away and we lose, that's one less. So from a probability standpoint, I think it's actually affecting everyone's chances, not their legacy. Just I was Thomas. told there would be no math. <laughs> oh, there's always math. I'll, I'll put a bow on this, uh, Kyle. We'll, we'll get to you in one second. I think it actually impacts like Ricky Fowler. So like the best guy without a major, Ricky Fowler, who's sitting there like in the numbers game, right? You get four cracks at this. If you miss out on four chances, that's one, one less or four less opportunities that someone gets to elevate their name off of that list as the best player to never win a major. So I, I look at it as like Ricky Fowler is this might hurt him because we might because we grade people so much on majors, this might hurt him more, in my opinion. Go ahead, Kyle. You know, the one guy, by the way, the only the only players inside the top, I think, 50 in the world with multiple majors are Rory Brooks and Tiger. Is that right? I think that's right. Um, to, to Mark's point about how hard it is to win one major. The guy we haven't talked about is Rory. And I think that, you know, there's an argument to be made that he's playing the best golf of his career. And I think what Mark said about the percentage, the percentages, look, if you're, if you're, percent chance of winning a major is already like half a percent. If you're, I don't know, Abraham answer, this doesn't really change much for you. If your percent chance of winning a major is 10%, like Rory, this change, this could change a lot for you. And mm -hmm. so I think, I think it kind of disproportionately affects guys that are either playing the best golf of their careers or the best players uh, who, who are also playing up to their, their uh, normal level right now. Yeah. Okay. Good stuff. Let's move on. I've got a question here from Michael Davis. And, and Mark, we're going to start with you because it's a master's question. And it's, uh, if the master's is played in the fall under conditions we've never seen, does that change the advantage of the type of player who could win? Obviously, you've got uh, an intimate relationship with the Masters. You can kind of speak to this. And uh, the, the follow-up question from Michael is basically, if we do have to move the Masters to, say, October or later in the year, would you still want to hold it then? Um, well, I, we answered this question before from my point of view because my love affair with the Masters extends to Bob Jones and all the tradition and that sort of thing. So, so if it's not going to happen, you may as well just make it like – in my opinion, and this is going to go over very badly with Kyle, <laughs> given his mood right now, but it doesn't happen in 2020. But here's the thing, and I spoke with David Dusick from Golf Week yesterday afternoon about it. In Georgia, in October, I feel like the golf courses are the best they are the entire year. There's something about the climate. There's a little less humidity. The breezes are up. The surfaces are nice and firm. Golf courses just play great around these parts at that time of the year. So, Augusta National in October, it'll be a beast, man, with those slopes playing a little firmer, a uh, little breeze whipping throughout those trees there. It'll play difficult. Um, will the rye have had enough time to grow in completely? No, I don't think so because they start planting that stuff just shortly before that. But there'll be some rye covering, but still it'll be largely Bermuda in the fairways, which will make it play firmer and faster. Kind of a throwback. If you go and look at pictures of the Masters from old, you know, there was a brownish look about the place and, and there was, you know, sort of the 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 throwback style bunkers, if you will. So I think Masters in October would be massively intriguing. Is it going to will it will the 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 course knowledge thing be brought to bear as much? I don't believe so, because part of the challenge of Augusta National is the conundrum of how it plays. And if you know the secrets to the place, you've got the leg up on the competition. So if you had to show up there in October, fantastic golf course, playing firm, 
no one really knows how it's going to play. And, and so I'm sure you'll start to see if this did in fact get released, that a number of guys would be arriving there early and playing with <laughs> Jeff Knox and company yeah. to try and get a beat on how this golf course was going to play. So you're describing to me a throwback Augusta National that would be playing more difficult than normal mm-hmm. under beautiful conditions. Should be. I mean, you never know. You, we normally don't get very much rain that time of the year. All the rain here in Georgia happens sort of springish and then certainly summertime. We'll get some rain in the wintertime, but October is a pretty dry month normally. So in beautiful conditions, and you're saying you don't want this to happen? <laughs> <laughs> I just want to see your face. I mean, I think <laughs> just permanently move it to October. Every year, play it in October. It'd be uh, amazing. It's clashing with the Safeway Open, for going to say. So that, that to me brings up the question for, for me. If, you, if you're going to play these majors in the fall, which I, I love the idea of, and I'm with you, Kyle, you have to play it there, if you can. If you can play it, play it. Because we would watch it in the middle of August. I think we'd watch it in December. I don't think it matters what month. We're watching the Masters because there's a new intrigue on how it's going to play. The question for me is, what do you do with the FedEx Cup? Does it have any bearing? What do you do with Ryder Cup? Is is it going to count for anything? Or are these majors just standalone events? Um, it, how, how do you how do you go about doing that? Is there hey, two Greg, majors? I thought this in was the year? listener mailbag, not the Greg Ducharme mailbag. <laughs> well, I just if these bring, the listeners bring up all these questions. I gotta I need answers. Well, but here's the thing. Here's the thing. I don't I don't think, and not to make this about like the the governing bodies. I don't know that Augusta National really cares so much about all that stuff. You know, none of that stuff is what affects. Augusta National. And, you know, I, th- I honestly, like, I think it's a good opportunity for them to sort of prove how strong their brand is, that it supersedes being played in April. It supersedes uh, being part of a, of a PGA Tour race. I mean, it supersedes all those things. I, I believe that it does. And I think they believe that as well. And I think this is a good opportunity to kind of prove that. Hey, with respect, the Augusta National Golf Club does not have to prove to anybody how strong their brand is. That is- no, I, Okay. I don't. That, that brand's like Coca-Cola, man. Every, I don't care where you go in the world, people know exactly what that thing represents. For sure, but I think this is an opportunity to display that. That prove is probably wrong to show that off of like, we can play okay. this thing uh, yeah. on Christmas Day. I think I said that the other day on HQ, and, and it wouldn't matter because it's the Masters. I actually think you said on Christmas Day on Mars, Kyle, is what where we would not care, I believe was Sung the Jay. quote. <laughs> Sungjae would be first off. Uh, all right, this one I like. Uh, this one comes from Mick, uh, who says, what course would you like to see a major played at if fans weren't allowed? So I, the way that I interpret this is there are a lot of great courses out there that, you know, with the infrastructure and the plot of lands that they're on, you might not be able to get uh, spectators in there. They might be in a tough spot in town with traffic. Like for whatever reason, they don't hold these big events. But if you just got to get, you know, 120 golfers over there, Greg, let's start with you. Is there a course that we can now showcase that might not have been able to be showcased because there will be no fans. There are so many good options for this. I, I find it to be, a, it's a, it's really a great question. It's really cool to think about. Um, one of the courses I think a lot of the tour players are quite familiar with and know, and it really is a championship golf course where you just can't get fans because of the, the lay of the land. It's Medalist Golf Club in Jupiter, Florida. Now, that applies especially if you're looking at something happening in the, in the fall or winter 
uh, when it, it's just in great shape every year. Uh, there's there's trouble everywhere. You would definitely get a flavor of the Florida swing, which we just saw before the PGA Tour postponed. Uh, it would play difficult, and you'd see a lot of balls in the water. There'd be a lot of drama. The greens are super fast. They get really firm. It's It almost played like a, a link-style golf course and it's so rugged in the areas around the golf course uh, around the fairways you just can't get fans in there so I think that would be really cool especially with the familiarity of the players the other place that I had in mind would be uh, like abandoned dunes and I've never had the fortune of playing out there but I just think it'd be really cool to see I love it. Yeah, the, for the uh, for medalists, uh, us us fantasy guys would uh, be looking for course history with all those guys who play it as often yeah. as they do. We'd be looking for practice round information. Uh, <laughs> hit us, hit us with it, Mark. I have two, and and they're not uh, these are courses that we see. Uh, first off, I'm going to go with the old course because you can't see anything anyway if you're watching golf over there because the way the place travels out and back, and you just get to walk down the right hand side of the holes. So I think having no spectators there is. is uh, so sort of it's sensible and 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 I think it would be a cool venue and then and then I'd want to go Marion you, you know that's oh. such a tremendous golf course so much history there it's in such a small tract of land and sadly the last time that they were there not sadly because it was a great championship that erupted with Justin Rose getting his one it's such a small place where you any rain in the place almost becomes next to unplayable and so you can't really let spectators get around there so I'd go with Marion and I'd go with the old course so I, I love Marion so much. I'm from uh, outside of Philadelphia. That was like the place when we were growing up. I have a putting green in my backyard that has little, you know, three foot flags. And I'm trying to re- I'm trying to replace the flags with the wicker baskets on top. So that's my current project right now. Uh, Kyle, where are we headed without fans? What courses should we or could we showcase? Well, I've got a couple. What about what about I'll give this one to you, Rick. What about Philly Cricket Club? OK, so that Ooh. is always now you're touching like, my Bob Jones thing. Huh? Yeah, that is like top of list of places, and that would be an unbelievable venue. I'd I'd love to see it. I think somewhere like uh, Prestwick, where they held like the first twenty-five Open Championships, <laughs> yeah, would be incredible. You'd have there that's basically got the uh, the step in the middle of it. It's the coolest you'd thing. You'd have ever. to you'd have to play it twice because I think it only plays like four thousand yards. But, <laughs> uh, I, how about this? So are we I, going I Hickory think... while we're there? What's the plan? There sure. you go. Yeah, get, get Zach Blair out there. I think. I think you got to go somewhere on some coast uh, just for the visuals. I think Bandon, where you played all four courses, would be insane. I think that would be uh, incredible. I don't know if you could even do that logistically, or I, I don't. How, how many courses hey, do they have? This is, five? They this is, there's, five. You can do anything you want. Anything you want here, Kyle. No logic, no reason. Whatever you want. You want to so play I'm, one round at four of those courses? You got it. So you go four. <laughs> Everybody plays a round, you make the cut, and then you go everybody at the same course for the final round. Get all go. five in there. My 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 other two on the coast would be uh, Fishers. Oh. It would be incredible just for the visuals. And then, uh, of course, I actually got to play last year, which was Cal Club, which is – um, you know, it's not, it's not on the water, but the way that it's set up is unbelievable. And again, like all these courses – the length is an issue with those guys playing it, but um, you're never going to see a, a, a big event in terms of a major championship at any of these because of the infrastructure that maybe you could if, if you, didn't, uh, you didn't have those kind of constraints on it. Love it. 
Okay, this is one from at Tour Plays. Who I mean, we 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 talk about this quite a bit, but now you actually have to go on the record and tell me who will have the best career out of the young guns on the PGA Tour. And these are your options. And I'm offended that Sung Jay's not on here, but it's Colin Morikawa. Sure. We're, hey, we can do whatever we want here. Uh, Colin Morikawa, Matthew Wolf, Victor Hovland, and Scotty Scheffler. Uh, Mark, are, are we adding Sungjae to this? And is he the winner or is it one of these guys? Well, I'm going to give Sungjae an honorable mention, but I'm going to go with Colin Morikawa. Case closed. That's all I have to say. All right, Greg, uh, we talk about these young guys quite a bit, but also, like, I guess, how are we defining what the best career is? Is that that's wins? The, is it? Yeah, right. Let's that's talk the hardest <laughs> question here. Because so there, there's so many things. The the modern player on the PGA Tour, they are what we call, I mean, they're comets. You look at a guy like uh, like Brooks Kepka, Jordan Spieth. These guys create have created Hall of Fame careers in over three-year periods just yeah. by winning major championships. So uh, Colin Morikawa is, I think, set to have the – the most longevity. I think he's set to have the most consistent career uh, top to bottom. Does that turn into kind of a, a Matt Kuchar career? I, I don't know. Are we looking at just a total number of wins? Are we looking at total dollars? So there's a lot of different ways to define it. I, I think Colin Morikawa will probably make more money than anybody else on that list, um, but I'm not sure his win total will be the highest. Yeah, that's kind of where I'm at, Kyle, is Morikawa is probably around the longest, big, long career. Matthew Wolf, like, like I always think Matthew Wolf's like mini DJ, right? Like, if he figures this out over the course of the next couple of years, he might snap off and win a bunch. Um, I love Scotty Scheffler. Like, you won't get any arguments from me on that. But who, who, who is it here, Kyle? Well, I want to say Morikawa, just because I've fallen in love with his with his iron game after – I think I think Mark called him a better iron player than Tiger when we were in Orlando. Oh, he did. bearing it out. Some stroke gun person helped me. He did, yeah, and he's right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's he's. Uh, this without strokes gain data in front of me. Yeah, he's fourth in. I, what in, do they call uh, it? Eye test. <laughs> strokes gain stroke, eye test. Yeah, stroke. Yeah, uh, he's fourth in strokes gain approach shots right now. So I mean, Mark was kind of right there. Um, I do want to take that quote out of context as much as possible, but. <laughs> <laughs> we're we're gonna clip it. Hey, Tiger uh, on live one right now. <laughs> I'm gonna say I'm gonna say Victor Hovland because I think that he and I've said this before, but he does the thing best that it's most important to do best to win on the PGA Tour. He's one of the four four or five best drivers of the golf ball in the world, and the stats bear it out. Uh, he it's he's sustained it over the course of a year. Um, it's him, it's Rory, it's Rom, it's DJ, it's Brooks in terms of like the best drivers of the golf ball and maybe just Jason Kokrak you can throw in there as well. But yeah. I, I just, I, I think if he's mediocre in everything else, that he's going to have a long career in which he wins a lot. And in weeks in which he putts well, he's, he's probably going to win and win maybe major championships. Shocker that he'd pick someone from Oklahoma State. I knew that was coming, yeah. <laughs> I mean, he's even uh, wearing orange and black right now as we look at him. Yeah, he is. Um, okay, this one I love. So this one this one actually sparked a lot of conversation on Twitter already, and it's from Andrew Bomber, who is uh, actually one of our producers here at CBS Sports. And I'll just read it out loud. It's life is on the line. So this is literally life or death now. Uh, birdie or better you live. Par or worse, you die. First of all, that's a tough. That's a tough ask. You get to pick anyone at any point of their life, except if you pick Tiger. You are getting current age healthy Tiger, so you don't get 2000 Tiger. You, if you get Tiger, you get him right now, but he's healthy. 
that's a lot of stipulations. Uh, let's start with you, Greg, and tell me who is who has your life in their hands. Man, I, I would put it on Tiger. Still, current, current Tiger, healthy, current healthy Tiger. I, I think when you're dealing, everybody on the PGA Tour can make a birdie on every hole. You can look to birdie average. You can look to driving distance. One thing we don't even know what hole it is. So if We're I knew, talk about that. is this a is this a par three? Is it a par five? A lot of questions. But to me, it doesn't matter because it's all superseded by the mind. And if I had to put money on a guy succeeding in the game of golf, a guy uh, hitting a shot in the moment in the game of golf, a guy making a putt in the moment in this game on any hole on any course, it's Tiger Woods. And it, it all comes from the mind to me. And I mean, the line after this would be uh, expect anything different. And, and then I'd live and that'd be the end of it. <laughs> so let's let's talk about this, because it, I'm assuming this is a par five, because if it's not a par five, I don't know how many of us are surviving this. Um, <laughs> the, <laughs> because I will tell you, I, I looked this up, the the best birdie or better rates on par fives, like like in the last 20 years are generally like 55, 56 percent. OK, so like we're talking kind of coin flips right now. Um, so I'll, I'll tell you, uh, Mark, who I'm going with. I'm going with JT, uh, Justin yeah. Thomas, who is currently leading a par five birdie or better rate this year. He's given me a 62 percent chance to live. Last year, he was the leader, 57 percent. Uh, and 2018, he was second in par five birdie or better. And here, how about this one, Mark? I'm putting him at number one at Riviera, which is the easiest hole on the PGA Tour. <laughs> well, you make a compelling argument. I'm trying to believe you. I'm trying to uh, live I here. Ask, I didn't hear, was there a stipulation as to, is it a current player or can I go with someone from yesteryear? Any any golfer from any year that you want, so you could go get Bobby Jones in his prime. Well, that's exactly what I'm doing. Jones yeah. from the uh, from, from the Grand Slam year. The guy played basically four times <laughs> and won every event that he played in different conditions. He was long by all reports. I mean, he could hit it a long, long way. And you know me, I, my my Bob Jonesisms are coming out now. Look, Tiger Tiger's a compelling choice. Jim Furyk too. I mean, when Jim Furyk was at his best. He was oftentimes in those in those Tiger Woodsian years. Furyk was right behind him in par in scoring and par five scoring, but I'm going to go with Jones. So uh, Kyle, Mark is uh, very interesting about Jim Furyk uh, because I believe the like the best one of the best non-Tiger non-Rory seasons ever was a Jim Furyk year where his strokes gain numbers were off the charts, but it happened to be in a Tiger Woods year. Yeah, they they were. I think I think. Yeah, Rory clipped him last year in terms of the best. I think I think he was like the fourth best strokes gain number ever behind yeah. ti three of Tigers. Yeah. Uh, since we started keeping the stat, uh, I'm gonna go. Here's what I think is important. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna. I'm gonna go Brooks Kepka from two years ago. And the reason I'm going Kepka is because I don't think he cares if I live or die. <laughs> and <laughs> you, want, you want that like removed from like his pressure right <laughs> like i don't i don't want anybody that i actually know like <laughs> like i don't i don't want anybody that i have like a, a good rapport with uh to to like care actually care about this and kepka doesn't know me and even if he did he probably wouldn't care and yeah, I would pick him because I want the person to not care at all whether I live or die. Because if you start caring, then you're, it's it's over. That's actually a really strong take. I like that. Get someone who does not care whether you live or die and let them go out there and play. <laughs> 
<laughs> oh man. All right. That's good. How about, how about this one from, uh, from Debo, who is actually, uh, also here at CBS sports NFL podcast pick six, probably, uh, doing a lot of pods right now with all the news around the NFL, but how about this top five NBA golfer? So I don't know how many, I mean, I know a lot of the guys from the NBA, Greg are playing golf. We see Steph Curry out there all the time, obviously Andre Iguodala. Um, who else are we missing? Who are some of the better NBA golfers? Man, I, I don't know. I, I really, I know I, you just mentioned the two guys that I know. I was going to say Steph Curry's got to be number one. Uh, Iguodala is a, a, he loves the game. I'm not sure how good he is. It, basketball players, from what I've seen on the internet, I've seen LeBron James swing a golf club. It's not pretty. <laughs> I've seen Shaq swing a golf club. Uh, it's not pretty. And we all know Charles Barkley uh, <laughs> and, and what he does with a golf club in his hands. So uh, it's a tough question. And I don't have an answer beyond Steph Curry. I can give you number one, and it's Steph Curry. That's well, a, that's all I got for you. Mark, we can also open this up to other athletes, too, because we know Larry Fitzgerald's a good player. Um, Tony Romo plays. Any, who are we missing here? Uh, I, I would probably go with Romo. Um, you, you know, he's just such a good athlete. Actually, I, well, I was Googling while, while Kyle was, was looking over there, and I found an article by a, by a golf magazine. And uh, we've got you, Steph Curry, number one, Kyle Corver, number two, Mike Conley, three. I'm um, scrolling down here. Yeah, give me just a minute. So I don't want to hit ads and have you guys listen to these. Uh, Kent Bazemore, four. And I can't see the fifth one right. Uh, Chris Paul uh, is the fifth best NBA golfer, according to golf.com. So as far as I'm concerned, that's gospel. So I'll go with it. I'm under the impression, you know, and being an NBA player, Kyle, you're probably, you know, very tall. You probably got to get custom clubs. Uh, there's a lot of things that can go wrong with your kind of long, you know, long arms, kind of lanky. Uh, you know, NHL players are usually pretty good golfers. We see Major League Baseball pitchers are generally they've got a lot of time on their hands. You know, they pitch every four days, five days. Um, I, what, what do you think here? Like NBA, I, I actually think NHL players are probably better. Mark, can you say Kent Bazemore again? Is more again? it was so it was so it was so good when you said it the first time. Hey, I've just had a brainwave. I mean, this is I'm I'm completely ignorant and asleep. When I was just a young golf teacher coming out working down in Orlando, Florida, there was a dude called Penny Hardaway who played alongside Shaq for the Magic, and Penny can golf, man. And he's wait. Do you hold on? Hold on. Do you think we don't know who Penny Hardaway is? (laughs) Yeah, I know you know, but I'm trying to make this some emphasis now. There's put put exclamation points behind my statement. Penny Hardaway is good. Kyle, Kyle, there's also a a, a mouse from Orlando. His name is Mickey. Have you have you heard of him? <laughs> so I was actually I was thinking of I was thinking of a list a list That's of guys downright rude, you know. A, a list of guys who would have the worst swings and <laughs> just just off the top of my head, it would be like like did you guys ever see Yao Ming swing? Uh, oh no. <laughs> Oh, I saw the picture of Yao Ming next to Gary Player, and that was absolutely hilarious. It's <laughs> unreal. You guys need to go look it up. So, I would put like it'd be like uh, Kevin Durant, Rudy Gobert. I'm just naming guys who have coronavirus. Right? <laughs> uh, it would be it would be like Zion. Like just it would be insane to watch those guys. It does remind me the, the guy that I thought of. I don't know if he's any good or not. Uh, J.R. Smith. Remember when he played? Um, yeah. He played shirtless. Pine Valley a couple years ago. He didn't play Pine Valley shirtless, but he does <laughs> play shirtless. And he bought like ten thousand dollars worth of stuff from the Pine Valley uh, 
uh, merchandise shot. Did you see, did you guys see this? No. He this tweeted right out a picture. The, yeah. 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 He tweeted out a picture and he had like 50 shirts from the Pine Valley merchandise shop, but like 20 bucket hats. I'm like, my man, like, are you giving these away? Like, what are you doing here? It was crazy. He actually can't play. I've seen him swing. He he actually has a good swing. That's a good good call on JR. Yeah. All right. Um, how about this one? This this we're gonna have to also define what most fun means. But Mikey, who is from the State of Combat MMA Boxing Podcast, I think there's still some MMA, MMA events going on, so they're probably pumping out some content. Asks who out of the first cut crew, Greg, is the most fun to play eighteen with. Now you got to define fun and then you got to choose somebody. Okay. So, uh, yeah, very complex. Um, this is, this is a very, very challenging question. I have a feeling that producer Jacob is kind of a, he's the guy that's going to have the most action in on the game. So I'm, I'm thinking with Jacob, you're going to have fun. The problem with me is I'm not going 18. If you're going to play with me, it's probably going to be 36. So I think I'm out. Uh, Kyle and Mark, you're talking about some pretty good experts here. So who's the most fun? Uh, I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go with Rick because I think you're gonna have the most you're you're gonna have some really cool some creative things going on here. Uh, it may get into a simulation. There may be some model <laughs> that you have. He may be able to predict if you're gonna hit the green or not. Uh, I, so I think I think with Jacob and Rick, you got the best betting opportunities. And at a slight slight edge, I'm gonna go with Rick and and all his models. Okay, I um, look. All, all these guys are beauties. I'm sure you, you you do well to play golf with all of them. But I have seen my boy Kyle after a few libations, and it gets better. All right. So if you get Kyle <laughs> and one or two uh, or one one or two drinks, I, I I'm I'm going to go that way. I, I think over four and a half hours with a little bit of slow play in front of you and Kyle getting one or two drinks on, I, I think that could be all sorts of fun. Do you know the Bryson takes I would have after that happened with the, <laughs> with the slow play in front of us? It would be, it'd be first cut after dark. I think, um, I think Rick is the right answer because here's the thing: me and Mark, Mark and I have too, we have too many kids to be fun. Like we're not fun. We're, <laughs> we're just you know, old parents. Um, Greg, I think would be he he would not be able to help himself in giving swing advice, and he just would, it would be it would be so difficult for him to hold back, and you know nobody wants that. So I think I think the default is probably Rick. I think I think Greg had the right answer. It's Rick. And right. by the way, you've just become the new PGA Tour commissioner as well, Greg. Okay, there we go. I'll tell you what, I, I'm, uh, I'll let you hit mulligans, I'll let you improve your lie, I'll let you do anything you want out there, I'll turn a, turn a blind eye to it. Um, Alright, so here's a good one, and this is actually a, a segue into our giveaway. So we have, and we just saw them on camera, they look very nice, CBS Sports HQ golf shoe bags. Woo, took me a long time to get one of these, I was thrilled when I did. And we're going to give one out per week to our loyal and lovely followers and here's how you can get one so leave a rating and review on apple podcasts and comment what tournament we should give a flashback to we'll go back and review it we'll talk through the whole thing it'll be a heck of a lot of fun make sure to include your twitter handle in the comments so we have a way to get in contact with you or you can tweet at or you can end or you can do both tweet at first cut pod with your suggestion so this is where we end boys i'm going to ask you 
to choose a replay of any major that you would like us to kind of go through and uh, revisit. It could be a special one. It could be Jack's 18th, or it could be a forgotten one, one that maybe flies a bit under the radar. Uh, Mark, you've got that look in your eye. I feel like you have an answer ready here. Uh, let's do the 2008 Masters. <laughs> There it is. <laughs> I knew that was coming, I think. <laughs> that would actually be pretty, uh, that would be really interesting to go through and get the insight on, I believe. Yeah, I'm going to have to try and get Trevor on for that one. There you Maybe go. I can I, I can snatch him out of self-quarantining down there in uh, Florida. That's a good one. We'll get a, get a little personal insight. That would be really cool. Greg, do you have one that comes to mind when, it, when we're talking uh, majors? Uh, I'm going to go with the same year. I'm going to go 2008, but I want to see the U.S. Open in 2008. I want to watch Tiger grimacing around again. I want to see Rocco mediate, uh, challenging a, a one-legged Tiger Woods. And if we can get Tiger on to join, uh, that would make it a little bit sweeter, too. Or, or Rocco mediate. <laughs> yeah, oh, he'd be great. <laughs> that's the that's the Torrey Pines uh, playoff on Monday, right? It's my favorite major. You know, it, it's the one where... I remember exactly where I was when I was watching it. I was running around like a chicken with my head cut off. I didn't know what to do. I knew that Tiger was going to make birdie on 18. I knew that was going to happen, but I didn't know how. And the emotions that I was feeling during that round were so up and down at that time. I, I just couldn't believe my eyes, but I yet I knew it was going to happen. So I'd love to talk about that one some more. All right, Kyle, we've got two votes in 20, 2008. Where are you taking us? I'm going back to the Masters, but I'm going. I'm going to. <laughs> I can't. I can't even say this. Uh, I'm going 2003. Wow. So listen to this. Your first round leaderboard at the 2003 Masters: Darren Clark six under, Ricky Barnes amateur, Sergio, Nick Price, Mike Weir, Toro Taniguchi, David Toms, Tim Clark, Jerry Kelly. Paul Lari and Jeff Maggard. That's your first round leaderboard. Then your final leaderboard, Lynn Matisse shoots a 65 on Sunday. Bogey's the last to shoot a 65 on Sunday. Loses in a playoff to Mike Weir, Phil Mickelson third, Jim Furyk, Jeff Maggard, Ernie Els, VJ, Jonathan Bird, shout out to Clemson, Jose Maria Othabel, Marco Mira, David Tom, Scott Verplank. I need, I just, I just want to just bathe myself in this Masters <laughs> for like a week. It's unbelievable. <laughs> I love it. Greg, Greg, I would actually, if we can get one question to Rocco Mediate, I would ask why he thought it was a good idea to wear black and red in that playoff on Monday against Tiger. That was like, uh, dude, you, you can't, you can't, you know, poke the bear. He's coming for you now. Oh, man. I mean, I would love to know how, yeah, how did it come to be? Who approved it? How did his caddy let him out of the house? I mean, there's so many questions that, that go along with that one question. I love it. I love it. All right, gentlemen, that'll do it uh, for this episode of The First Cut. Uh, stay safe out there uh, or in there, inside your homes, wherever you are. That is Greg Ducharme at The Real GFD. It's Kyle Porter at Kyle Porter CBS. It's Mark Immelman at Mark underscore Immelman. I'm Rick Gaiman at Rick Run Good, and we'll talk to you next time. Peace. Wash your hands. <laughs>
So what exactly is the show about? Hmm, I don't know. It's a sports show nominally. Football's over, but we're finally at a point where things matter in college basketball and baseball season is on deck. Greatest three words in the English language, pitchers and catchers. We have some of the best voices come on and explain what matters or what makes an upset, like Ryan does. <laughs> Nine over eight. No, that's not an upset. No, yeah, it is, Bob. And if you're lucky, I might just tell you about my search for discounted sleep pants or my worries about what my dog just ate. Listen on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts.